Welcome to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast hosted by three people. My name is Billy Schultz, and I am joined by my two good friends, Luke Mason and Alex Wan. And before I say hello to both of you officially, I have to make an apology to you, Luke, off the mm. bat. <laughs> Last week, when we did Children of the Corn, yes, I had said that it, it came out in 1988, and you had said 1984, and mm. we ignored you because you always get dates wrong, and you are in <laughs> fact right, so. <laughs> well... I guess I'm the uh, I'm the podcaster who cried date wolf. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or we didn't or believe time change, wolf. It really kept it. We'll yeah. change your that, title that, from uh, always <laughs> getting dates wrong to sometimes getting dates wrong. Mostly getting dates wrong. <laughs> I think uh, mostly yeah, that's getting like dates wrong. The modern fable is the podcaster who cried wolf, but with dates. <laughs> so even if they're right, no one believes. Well, them. you know. <laughs> even even a podcaster host get gets a date right uh, twice a day or something isn't that uh <laughs> you can, can make that stop clock out <laughs> so, you know that um that reference is going to be less and less comprehensible to people who don't know what like a, a physical <laughs> clock is what an analog <laughs> clock is yeah yeah anyway all right thank you for the apology i feel vindicated <laughs> <laughs> yes how are you doing Good. Yeah. Doing well. Nice. And Alex, hello, and how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing just as well, if not better, than Luke. Mm-hmm. Just as well, if not better. It's always got to be the same or just a bit better than you, hey? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's... Fine. I'm, I'm, I'm just the same or a little worse than Luke. <laughs> we can make a math equation. Equal to or um, less than. Yes, we could do that. We're all the same. We're all the same, all three of us. Yeah. And then there's there's one other follow-up from last week's episode mm. that I have to do before we start talking about what we're doing today. And this is, I know this is on the minds of every listener out there, but right. Luke, you need to answer this question. Mm. Did Michelle send you a birthday text saying she was a fan of the podcast? Uh, no. But I, I uh, because she's someone I work with and see every day, she did say happy birthday to me at work as well as say that she likes to listen to the podcast so i don't know if it counts because it happened in real life but (laughs) i did i did not get a text so maybe it doesn't count it's like that episode of south park where it doesn't count if you can actually play guitar only if you can play guitar hero texts or it didn't happen right no anyway that's all the business from last week's episode okay this week okay bachman turner overdrive (laughs) how dare you question mark (laughs) yes this week we're watching another movie and because this is coming out a day after valentine's day we have chosen i have chosen Mm. the film my bloody valentine from i believe 1981 but i am less and less (laughs) sure anytime i say four numbers that indicate a date so what do what do you folks know about My Bloody Valentine? Or if you haven't don't know anything, what do you suspect it may or may not be about? Alex, what's your hot take on this one? Well, I'm a little bit surprised you chose this one. I think in terms of like content, there are far better songs on The Young and the Hopeless than My Bloody Valentine. I for one am a big fan <laughs> of Wondering. 
Girls and Boys, and of course the anthem is always a classic. But, you know, interesting nonetheless that you would choose My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, uh, a little, little, good, little good Charlotte joke right there. Hey, uh, why do they call it uh, good Charlotte, and why not good Friday? <laughs> why? I, I said the joke wrong. Can you cut this out so I can repeat it? <laughs> <laughs> but keep it in at the Almost end. Almost certainly not. But you can. It's a. It's a. Why do they call the it joke? Good Friday? Why not Good Charlotte? Why? That's the joke. That's the joke. That's it. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I'm gathering from the context that there's a Good Charlotte song called My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, it's it's on yeah, their yeah. second 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 record, Young and Hopeless. You know, mm, it's okay. uh, track seven. Got it. Yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't know that, Luke. Well, but I feel yeah. like I'm confused because Was that I... a little bit after your time. Well, no, I, I think it was during my time. But I, I also feel like there was a band called My Bloody Valentine. But maybe There is just... a band. It's an Irish band. Okay, yeah. okay. Because like, that was my musical reference I was going to make was I think that there's oh, a, an okay. actual well, like Luke, band. what do you know about My Bloody Valentine? <laughs> I, I've recently learned that they're an Irish band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that I, I guess probably... Maybe in the recesses of my memory, I knew that the band was named after a movie, but or that a movie existed. I think I knew that, but I don't know anything about it other than I imagine it will have blood and be centered around some sort of love. So, hmm. okay, my here's take. my serious here's my serious <laughs> hot take on this movie. Here it is. I don't think it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> based off of if we're going thematic horror so you know we've done black christmas and we've done friday the 13th these are horror movies based off of dates mm. and i don't like two out of two so far are not good so i'm gonna go and say three out of three are not gonna be good either so that's You're that's my bold prediction a gigantic holiday based yeah a gigantic holiday oh, that Halloween. we did four that's movies right. on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right yeah, three, but also three, three out of four. Three out of four. Yeah, but also like I feel yeah. like two of the Halloweens most of us didn't like. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> yes, the exception proves the rule, as they say, right? Yeah, I don't think this one will be very good. I think I, I don't know anything about the plot. I suspect it'll probably involve some sort of either serial killer or stalking situation around Valentine's Day, around unrequited love or some sort of unhealthy relationship that ends in one or more people getting killed. But I I really don't know. You know, when Alex was making the Good Charlotte reference, until he said it was Good Charlotte, I thought he was talking about a Green Day album. So mm. I am <laughs> very far out of my depth. And I'm glad <laughs> I didn't make the basket case joke I was going to because, oh boy, that would have been embarrassing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well... If we're going to, you'd be in the minority there, Billy. God damn it, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, minority is another Green Day hit. Uh, okay. Right? So. Uh, you'd only well, be a Canadian idiot. <laughs> yeah. Only a Canadian Well, that idiot. was something unpredictable. Uh, <laughs> but. And now. Uh, to paraphrase the Jesus, and now for something a little bit of a different character. Yes. So it's safe to say that we don't know anything about this movie. It's safe to say that we do not have the highest of expectations for this movie. 
listeners. So uh, if this is one that is your favorite movie, I hope we we don't make you feel bad about it. But... Although, also happy Valentine's Day or happy post Valentine's Day. I hope it was good for you. And if it wasn't good yeah. for you, I hope today is better. I hope you all had a nice Valentine's Day. All right, so we will we will probably get into this movie. There's no more delaying it. There's no more putting it off. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. Mm. And this is your point to avoid spoilers if you wish. Uh, after the trailer, we will be spoiling this movie. And if you are worried about any triggers, please check out doesthedogdie.com. And also check out the show notes. If, if there's any particular trailer... Um, not trailers, any particular triggers that come up during the recording of the podcast, I will I mark the time down and I will put it in the show notes. You can find all the time codes for all our segments as well. But we will go and watch the trailer for My Bloody Valentine. I probably won't watch the trailer. <laughs> you don't have to watch the trailer. Okay. So we're still recording right now, right? We're still recording. Yeah, let's okay. keep it recording. So okay. the, the actual joke is supposed to be, why do they call it Good Friday? Why did not good Charlotte? What? That's just the it's it's, <laughs> it's dumb. It just the thing with that joke is, it doesn't. It sounds like just setup and no punchline. Yeah, that's uh, part of the joke as well, where you just end it and walk away. Why do they? Oh. So it's why like they call it Good Friday. Why not Good Charlotte? And then you walk away. Well, because Friday Maybe I is, didn't tell it correctly. Ah, mm. I don't think there's a day called Charlotte. Well, no, so, so, see, it gets less funny when I have to explain my thoughts behind why it's funny. Not much So when less you say funny. Good Friday, people are like, oh, it's the day Jesus supposedly died. I right. guess it's not a Good Friday. So when you ask why do they call it Good Friday, oh. they're going to think, oh, yeah, why Bad not Sad Friday? Friday? But you right. you throw it the other way around. You keep the good and you just change the Friday to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Well, then I would, oh, I, humbly, okay. I would humbly submit adding in the contextual part of Jesus dying. Like, oh, yeah, so, like, so Jesus died on Good Jesus Friday. Jesus died on this day. Why do they call it Good Friday? Not Good Charlotte. Yeah, that's yeah, better. That's, that's, that's good, much yeah. better. That's, you know see, what? It's good. We workshopped that one. Yeah, this is a, this is a think tank of jokes. I like it. Thank you. It's all nice. gold. It's all staying in. Yeah. It's a bad time, this time of year. How many times is he going to tell this story? Don't let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. <laughs> the first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. Oh, yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never going to forget. <laughs> right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. In the town of Valentine Bluffs. Oh, 
There are many ways to die. Take your pick. My bloody Valentine. Alrighty, whenever you're ready, Alex. Alright, My Bloody Valentine is a 1981 Canadian slasher film directed by George Mihalka and written by John Beard. It stars Paul Kellman, Laurie Hollier, and Neil Affleck. The plot tells about a group of young adults who decide to throw a Valentine's Day party, only to incur the vengeful wrath of an assailant in mining gear who begins a killing spree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More of a, a a stabber than a slasher film, I think. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> you got to pick your battles. <laughs> it was a boiler for sure. Uh, well, that, well, that one person got really dried out. <laughs> Poor Mabel. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you all a question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Go on. Sorry. I got to pick my axes better. (laughs) All right. So this movie was about a coal mining town and a, yeah, a serial killer in it. I'm going to go first with my reaction. I thought this movie was bananas and crazy and very over the top, but fun the whole time, except for like maybe the last three minutes when the big reveal happened. But, I had fun the whole time during this movie. It was, you know, a Canadian movie. We figured out it's filmed in Canada, set in Canada, even though they don't say it. There's a good camaraderie between all the, the miners in the town. It gave me very strong vibes of the thing, the people in the I Antarctic. I didn't see any kids. <laughs> the young adults. The it gave, me, it gave me those, like, good vibes. It gave me good vibes of Black Christmas and Halloween and... There was banjo music in it. Like, I just had a great time in this movie. <laughs> I loved it. What did you think, Luke? This movie was a little bit better than I was expecting, but I think I'm a little bit burnt out on this genre mm. in the sense that I think this is like, I would say this movie was quite formulaic, and so I I wasn't really surprised by anything in it, and so... I thought the killer looked cool. I thought it was a really good aesthetic and a, a, a new weapon with a pickaxe, which was kind of kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I still thought the acting and the dialogue and the decision making was just all nonsense. So it wasn't like new. So I'm like passionately ambivalent. This is like a pretty <laughs> decent movie in a genre I don't really care about anymore. Right. So you're 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 a little bit less fond of the slasher slash stabber genre. I, I it's not I don't yeah, I just I like this movie reminded me of like eight or nine other movies we've done on the podcast mm. and so yeah. <laughs> I and, and and it didn't like it didn't really stand out in comparison to those ones oh, other than the other than the look of the killer. So, that's okay. my initial take, I'd say. Sure. I think yeah, I can totally respect where you're coming from. I think the 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 difference of it being a mine was like a cool twist and some of the set pieces were pretty cool. But yeah, it was pretty standard. You know that the killer is going to I thought the details were were cool, like or good, mm-hmm. right? Like the details of it being a mine, a different type of killer, but like the killer's motivations and the decision-making, like all of the kind of reactions to all of the things. I was just like, oh, yeah, 
that's all the other movies too. Yeah. So. And I think for me, when I watched it, I was like, I, I, I've heard other people talk about this when they're watching horror movies and they, when they watch slasher movies in particular, they're like, I know what I'm getting. I'm just going to like settle in and know that it's going to be formulaic and it's going to be bad decision making that leads to people getting killed. And for me, it's kind of like becoming it's becoming like getting McDonald's where it's like this isn't going to be good, but I'll enjoy it while it's happening. But anyway, we can talk about that a little bit more later. Alex, what were your first takes? Yeah, I'm, like, very okay with this movie. Like, it wasn't wildly offensive to me, but it wasn't something that... I wasn't looking at the screen for the full 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Neither was I. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm of the opinion that this movie... It wasn't a long movie. It was an hour and a half, but -hmm. it was about 20 minutes too long. Yeah, Mm. I agree. Is what I thought. There were parts of it that were cool and you know in terms of like a cheesy slasher probably some of the more endearing characters were in this one and yeah like luke said very cool villain cool set piece being in a mine but yeah like it's what are we on like episode 32 now no this is 30 37 36 or 37 okay yeah so we're like we we've seen this movie we've seen this movie multiple times already and it's it's exactly what I expected it to be, you know, like, oh, it's going to be a Valentine's Day slasher. And it was kind of ham-fisted how they put Valentine's Day in relation to this story. <laughs> so uh, ham-fisted. Yeah, I was like, pick a holiday, pick a holiday. We need to make a movie yeah, about it. You could have done this for Canada Day, right? It'd be like <laughs> a coal mining town, but there was a Canada Day party and the supervisors wanted to leave early. So now the killer says no more Canada Day parties. <laughs> Yeah. Right, like you could have put this this movie with literally any special event or holiday, and it would have been pretty much the exact same movie. I guess you'd have to change the organ harvested, right? So Valentine Day work <laughs> yeah. it works to harvest the heart. I guess for Canada Day you'd have to harvest the liver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the secret maple leaf shaped organ that all Canadians have. Yeah, yeah this, this right. could have been. Yeah, like it was. It was fine, but. Nothing that I was incredibly impressed at or drew me in. And it just felt, it felt like I've seen the same movie multiple times before. Yeah, I I totally agree. And again, none of that, none of that bothered me though. Like that didn't bump me as much as I think it bumped both of you. And I think of the time, 1981, this would have been a few years after Black Christmas and a couple years after Halloween. So people would be like, ooh, okay, holiday-themed horror movies are hot right now. What do we got? Yeah. And they landed on <laughs> Valentine's Day because, you know, February is also a pretty low month for film releases traditionally. So this did, I looked it up on mm. the Wikipedia, this did come out on Valentine's Day. So from a marketing standpoint, I can totally see the draw of people going to see it. Uh, horror movie on Valentine's Day because it would have been novel in 1981 and now it's yeah we've seen it Mm. a million times and the formula is the exact same every time though I have to say there were some there were still some things that surprised me and there were some pretty good kills in this movie yeah I will say probably the most endearing thing about this movie is how unapologetically East Coast Canadian it was (laughs) yeah Oh yeah, and that's just something that I I liked a lot in this movie, like just the way the characters talked, the way they dressed, and the way they acted. It was 
it, this was definitely a Canadian movie, and it was like they weren't trying to hide the fact that okay, like maybe we were in Maine, maybe we were in North Carolina. No, this yeah. was this is like Nova Scotia through and through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super well, east coast. There was that scene right at the beginning where it was like them driving, and I could, you could see the ocean in the background. I actually thought it was BC at first. Because the license plate of the truck looked a little bit like the BC license plate. And then I saw in the background, there's like a Canadian flag waving in the air. So I was like, oh, oh this it. is a this is this is Canada. I didn't even know it was Canada until the movie started. And then I looked it up while the, the uh, one of the many times I took my face away from the movie <laughs> during this movie. I looked up where it was and it was filmed. It was filmed near Sydney, Nova Scotia. So yeah. I don't think it's actually ever said that it's Nova Scotia in the movie, but that's like clearly it when you see it. Yeah, like I've I've road tripped around the East Coast before, and it's like those those highways and like being able to see the ocean like that, and even like the you're entering the town of whatever. Like in this movie, it was the the town of Valentine Bluffs. It was like it it looks so Canadian. Yeah, and I mean in the movie itself, one of the characters they like just really quick exposition. They're like, "You moved out west, right? Like you moved so out to that, the West Coast, kind of, yeah." Yeah. yeah, that can confirm that this was on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, and that was another clue for me that it wasn't in the States because usually if someone would move, I don't know if they would say you moved out to the West Coast in the States necessarily. It seems like you'd maybe go out to Hollywood, but it's a very Canadian thing to move out West, either from the Maritimes to work here in Alberta or to go out to BC. Probably Alberta. I want to talk, Alberta. though. <laughs> yeah, he probably went on to Alberta. But if he couldn't if he couldn't find work in Alberta in the eighties, like come on. <laughs> well, yeah, when when was the big oil boom? Like early ninety one, ninety two around then? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I wasn't born then. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna talk about the camaraderie between the group of miners. Not not the little kids, not the not those miners, yeah. but the the people who go into a mine and take out metal from it because i thought it was very it was an easy camaraderie i thought some of the the dialogue was cheesy and like everybody had a trope but it didn't bother me as much as it did in say friday the 13th which felt very mm -hmm. hammy just the, I, I thought it would bother me a lot more you know like a bunch of a bunch of boys being like tough people who work in a mine and and everyone so like brash and and there's a lot of pissing contests in this movie but it didn't bother me like they all seemed like they were having a good time and they all kind of got along except for tj and axel but that's neither here nor there like all the supporting cast was really really fun i thought yeah i i, I would agree with you like the character like like i said earlier some of the more likable characters in your typical slasher and i think it's because they were so canadian that i found so them canadian. to be endearing like just the banter that they have when they're drinking in the bar and like the dumb like like the knife finger thingy that they were playing and just like their interactions their interactions with each other it, it felt nostalgic to me in some way and i guess that's why i liked them a little more than yeah i would have normally it, it felt like that very like uh, tight brotherhood of people who work in a dangerous job and know that it's risky but they go through stuff that's really hard and really challenging. And so the friendships that they had were very clear on screen. It was like very evident how much for all of their like posturing and bad mouthing and friendly competitions, all these people cared about each other a lot. 
Like everybody in this town really cared about each other. Mm. I felt. Yeah. The movie that we've done that the ensemble cast kind of the feel of it remind me a lot of some of those characters in Carrie. Oh yeah. Like the girls in the school, especially and that girl with the hat. I can't remember her name. That was forever ago. But the, the uh, Mario girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was episode two. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, definitely camaraderie. Again, it's most evident in the them talking though that it's like just so of the era. The script. Again, characters start talking before other characters are done talking. <laughs> There's no part of the way that these guys, especially, are. And the way that they talk to like the women too. There's no way where they're. I'm. I'm thinking these guys are in on their own jokes. Like it just. They felt really kind of in a. We. I guess in a way, I'd see all these characters seem really innocent, hmm. like unsavvy to the world, and maybe, maybe that's an age thing. I don't know. I just found them to be quite like susceptible to being taken advantage of by their own passions, which I guess is a symptom of age. So. <laughs> well, it's also like it's a small mining town, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. f- from what I gather is that TJ was the one that moved out west while everybody stayed behind and worked yeah. in the coal mine. And that's the job that their ancestors did, and that's the job they're going to do, and that's probably the job that their kids are going to do. So it's like it's kind of like this really yeah. isolated feeling kind of thing where, you know, you said that they kind of might be taken advantage of by the outside world and they're kind of naive. Well, that's probably exactly what they are. You know, they I know, seen but anything outside of Valentine Bluffs, but their like their horror story is internal, right? Like the motivating story behind all this is like this Harry Warden guy who's actually f- was from their town, and like presumably everyone would know mm-hmm. this story. So I found it a little strange, I guess, how dismissive all of the miners were of this guy coming back, I guess, or there being some sort of killer again. It, it just was like. Uh, interesting that uh, and i guess maybe it was more howard i found howard quite annoying even though i liked and i liked hollis <laughs> so yeah, they, they balanced like... each other out that was just yeah. like it, it surprised me that none of them even took a second to consider the possibility of there actually being a danger before yeah uh, i guess the one guy died at the party yeah i think yeah i think that that's true but also the fact that so in the town there was this valentine's dance 20 years ago and the the people who were working in the mine were very excited to get to the party and didn't close up the mine properly or whatever and there was an explosion and seven men were, or five men were trapped underground for six weeks and by the time they got in they found one survivor named harry warden who had gone like crazy and was and had resorted to cannibalism just for <laughs> being trapped for so long and then the next year to get revenge on them, he dressed in a mining outfit and killed a bunch of people on the Valentine's Day dance. And so they haven't had a dance in 20 years. And that time period between the killer to now was, I I definitely bought into the fact that all these teens and young adults who would have been four or five or younger when the killings happened, like this is long enough for it to just be a legend they grew up with rather than a fear that they were steeped in and living in like they got so used to it that it didn't bother them and so they were the the fact that they were so dismissive of this legend about harry warden and being so long ago and being like ah you don't know what you're talking about old timers yeah i I found that believable to me i I found it to be 
that of course kids don't take what their elders are saying seriously. Of course they, you know, they think they know better because they're young and they're in their twenties and you're never going to die because you work in a mine and nothing can hurt me. Right. Just this, this devil may care attitude was a perfect setting for the killings to happen. And so <laughs> I, I, I totally found it plausible that they would just be dismissive of like the old drunken rambling bartender who tells a story and they're like, Oh, this, this guy again, Ugh, whatever. Yeah. It didn't bother me. That makes sense. But then it should have bothered me and it should have bothered them because then <laughs> the killings start <laughs> happening again. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say the, the, the movie opened up really cool. Cool. Coolly. Coolly. It was a cool way that it opened up. Mm-hmm. Coolly. You know, it, the... it gave, it gave, it gave something to everybody, you know, like if you're really into the extraction of ores and minerals, you're in a mine shaft right away. If you're into, you know, cool mass and aesthetics of like villains, you know, you see the killer in the opening scene. If you're into, you know, strip teases, there's one right in the opening scene. So wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cool way to open up the film. <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked her tattoo. I liked her tattoo just on the top of her boob. And then, yeah. like, that was the part that got stabbed, I think. You know what? That's a very helpful tattoo. If she ever has, like, if she ever needs an autopsy, yes. you know, heart the ear. surgeon will know exactly where to go to reach the heart. <laughs> it's yeah. like, cut, sure. cut here to get to my heart. Mm-hmm. But she, do- she clearly doesn't because, assumedly, the killer would have taken her heart and put it in a little, you know, crafty Valentine's Day candy box. So it was handy for the killer because the killer knew exactly where to dig for the heart. Actually, you know what? Honestly, in retrospect, that opening scene should have been a clue for the identity of the killer because the way that that woman was acting, she seemed like she knew the other person and she was wanting to get it on with him. And probably that wouldn't have been Harry Warden just given like it's possible, but like he would have been, you know, a good 30 years older than her probably. And a psychotic killer cannibal out of necessity mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. sense so it's like probably not the most logical person to assume she's gone down in the mine shaft with probably more logical to think it's like someone around her age so <laughs> you know like yeah totally i'm surprised that nobody really mentioned her after she died there wasn't like a line of the people mm. in the bar being like oh where's candace or whatever her name would have been and you know that never that never was brought up it didn't seem like she was probably probably were very worried about it until until her heart yeah like joan probably until her heart showed up in the in the the union hall where they're having this big valentine's dance and yeah so the the mystery starts where these heart-shaped boxes are showing up and inside them they have a little poem so the author of this poem is very very good poet not really it's valentine's day poetry and Mm. inside there is a human heart and it's exactly like the killer did 20 years ago. But the only people that remember are the police chief, the mayor of the city, Mabel, and the bartender. Those pretty much, right? Like, we don't meet anybody else yeah. who has knowledge of the experience happening, aside from the legends. I-, I will say I have to give it to the mayor. He's better than the mayor in Jaws because he d- did decide to close the mm-hmm. dance and cancel the dance. You know, the mayor and Jaws kept the beaches open. That didn't go so well. But <laughs> this this mayor, after a couple of people died, 
decides to shut down the dance because the killer is demanding that nobody celebrate Valentine's Day. Otherwise, he's going to keep killing. And so they canceled the dance only to have all the kids who don't care a whit for the warnings have their own Valentine's Day party. I feel like present day politicians should have watched this movie about a year ago. Present day politicians should have watched Jaws a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) There's a valuable lesson in both movies. (laughs) Yeah. Always bring a bigger boat. Yeah. They could have used a bigger minecart in this movie. (laughs) I I really liked, though, the old Barfly exposition that that just... You know, you said, Luke, that you've seen this movie a million times. Just an old man spookily delivering exposition is such a horror movie staple that I'm spotting. And I just, I loved it. I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to tell us what happened 20 years ago in like a really weird expository way (laughs) that these kids would have heard a million times. But he's telling it like it's the first time because the audience needs to know what's happening. And it was just, (laughs) it was so so ham-fisted it was so obviously done but again i don't know i just give me that big mac i I love it i know it's not good for me but (laughs) it's fun you know i'm thinking another reason why i might have liked this movie a little bit more than i normally would have is because maybe i was just living vicariously through the characters but you know they had they were hanging out at a bar they had a party it seemed like a lot of fun something that i don't remember what's like yeah (laughs) drinking moose head (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. starved for hanging out closer <laughs> than six feet apart from somebody <laughs> soon everyone keep wearing your mask i can't believe axel took his mask off you know <laughs> it's not safe axel speaking of axel this is a great segue Alex. well done perfectly timed uh, along this whole like dance slash killer plot there is a subplot running through this movie of TJ versus Axel for the affections of the the lovely lady Sarah, who is the final girl, the final girl. She was TJ's girlfriend. Then he moved out west. And so she started going out with Alex. Uh, I keep saying Alex. It's Axel. <laughs> she, she, same amount of letters, same amount of letters, same exact letters, different order. But she's going out with Axel and then TJ comes back. And now both of them want to date her and. They don't care what she has to say. They just both think they can decide, <laughs> which that's what, 1981 for you. It's 1981 for you. They had to have a big manly fight about it. But what did you? How did you feel about Axel and that that whole little subplot? The subplot was part of the 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Thing for me, if we're looking at the context of the whole movie, this subplot was completely unnecessary and didn't bring anything. Maybe at the very end, you could have been like, oh, so spoilers, Axel is the the mind killer, like the mask killer. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like when he yells, Sarah, be my bloody Valentine, like, okay, there's some relation to that, but not really. It's like this whole subplot was too long and too unnecessary. <laughs> Didn't care for it. <laughs> I just need to see more, you know, more axing and less... <laughs> driving a girl away without her consent and bringing her to the cliff overlooking the ocean remember this place of course i do okay great let's let's get on with the killings yeah (laughs) yeah i guess like to be 
totally charitable to the movie. That subplot was in there so that we as the audience would maybe have some subconscious negative feelings towards TJ so that we might be biased towards thinking he's the killer, I guess. But because this is a Canadian movie, even TJ as villain, he's too polite <laughs> to really be like taken seriously as a villain. Like he's still just a little too nice and a little bit too like civil to be <laughs> totally and and Axel is I guess kind of a hybrid of the goofier friends and then also the serious side of TJ. So yeah, I mean I think the movie is expecting us to just really not know who it could be between TJ and Axel. And even though it's really predictable that it was Axel, I think it was a better decision to make it not TJ because I don't think TJ Mm -hmm. was unhinged enough throughout most of the movie to really be, to to have it be satisfying if it was actually him who was the killer. So that was like all kind of connect the dots, color, uh, you know, paint by color movie making that was good like it it paid off appropriately but i don't know like i at at the end i was hoping it was going to be a scream finish i i was hoping both tj and axel were the killers you know that would have been cool but you know it was axel so yeah like spoil that movie (laughs) well whatever (laughs) Whatever. spoiler Uh, for scream i I just it was in the movie so that we did, we suspected TJ a bit more, but then if you mm. reflected, it wouldn't have made sense at all if it was TJ. So, you, yeah, you did, you did what you were supposed to, movie. Yes, I thought <laughs> that the the whole love triangle seemed like a way to have two male characters have feelings that was in like an acceptable mm. way for the eighties because like yeah, you couldn't yeah, just yeah. have them be mad at each other for whatever reason. Like maybe they were best friends and. And Axel was just mad that TJ left without telling him and it didn't have to have a plot, but they had to have like, it it felt like they were like, okay, they're going to fight over this girl so that they can, they can have feelings because boys can't have feelings, except they can. It's fine. It's 2021. Everyone can have feelings, but they had to have a reason to be mad at each other. And so that was, I think the genesis of the character of Sarah and yeah, all the, all the scenes of, TJ driving her out to the cliffs and her being like, Hey, I don't actually want to be out here. And him being like, I don't care. Was it was unnecessary because I was just waiting. I wanted to see more, more ways that the killer was taking people out because even though this was a pretty by the number slasher movie, I thought the kills were pretty interesting. I thought they were very creative. Yeah. I'm, you were saying how this movie came out Valentine's day, right? Yes. So I'm sure there's at least one instance of this movie coming out where, you know, a couple goes on a date to watch this movie in theaters in 81, and it turns out that in real life they are in a love triangle. How awkward would it be to sit through this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, the, the whole relationship love triangle part was just to be, was put in because it is a Valentine's Day movie, I guess, right? That's really it. I wasn't interested though. Mm-hmm. I can see a lot of couples being like, "No, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Valentine's Day movie, honey. Let's go see it." And then it being this horror movie and people getting mm-hmm. mad at their partners. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you think you're going to go see 50 first dates, but instead you watch 28 days later. (laughs) Very good. I think we can put a cap on the love triangle between Axel and them, but you you had mentioned earlier, Luke. Oh, go ahead. I was hoping that there's that one scene where they're all hanging out in the junkyard and they're, it's like, it's the most Canadian thing. They're like cooking TV dinners over like (laughs) a car engine, but (laughs) I love that scene. I was hoping when TJ and Axel were like talking to each other and like, I think it was Axel pulls out his harmonica and starts playing and TJ pulls his out and he starts playing. I was hoping it would be more of like a deliverance thing, like a, you know, the the banjo battle in deliverance, but like with harmonicas, but it, it just stopped right away. I was hoping that dragged on a little longer. Yeah. I thought it was going to be dueling harmonicas and then they were both like, wait, we can't both be harmonica guy. This isn't going to stand <laughs> at all. Which would have been more interesting. You got a prom yeah. with me? <laughs> if they were fighting over who got to play harmonica in the gang instead of a girl. It's like, <laughs> you played harmonica, but then you left. And now I'm the only one who can play harmonica because you don't know it so well anymore. <laughs> that would have been a better plot. That would be My Bloody Valentine, the musical. <laughs> I just want to see a remake where there is a girl they're fighting over, but then they fight more over the fact that they both want to play harmonica. And the girl gets completely like left to the side. And she's like, oh, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> don't have to worry about it yeah and then plot twist she wants to play harmonica as well <laughs> <laughs> they all want to play a harmonica okay, sorry tangent go ahead next thought <laughs> no no that, that that's perfect because just talking about the the scene in the junkyard with all the people what i, I want to talk a little bit about is the supporting the supporting cast of characters in in your heralds and your hollises and your you know, you're killer fodder. Basically, all these people are here to to get killed in various different ways. But unlike other movies like Event Horizon, which they're all in there for that, these people had personalities. I thought there was very clear personalities. And really only Howard was the one that was the most annoying. But he reminded me a little bit of Chris Parnell. So I was like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> he did look like him. <laughs> But who is your favorite? Luke, who is your favorite side character? Definitely Hollis. Just because of his look, I think, even more than his personality. Like, the mustache <laughs> was pretty, you know. <laughs> and he, I don't know, just kind of big, jovial dude. He was, he was good. Yeah, he wanted everybody to get along and, and hang out. And very Canadian in his aesthetic. As soon as people are starting to fight, he's like, whoa, 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 hey, buddy, hey, calm down. It's okay there. Eh? Like, he just, a very, very Canadian one. I was legitimately sad when he got nail gunned in the head at the end. Rest in mm. peace, Hollis. But Alex, what about you? Do you have a different favorite or another standout side character for you? I guess Dave was cool because he just wanted some munchies. <laughs> but yeah, I would say Hollis is... Like Hollis had the had the biggest role as a side character, and he was just likable. And I want to be friends with Hollis, you know. Yeah, I'd hang out with Hollis. He seemed cool. All the dates of the the boys in the town they they had basically nothing except for Sarah, who had the relationship, and then Patty, who was Hollis's girlfriend, I think. And yeah, you could change I, I the had, name I to had... Cannon Father One, Cannon Father Two, Cannon right. Father Three, right? <laughs> I did have a laugh when she's talking about her dress that she's going to wear to the dance. And she's like, it's going to be cut way down to here and slid up the side down to there. And then she she comes out in a dress that's got a higher neckline than TJ's like shirt that's unbuttoned almost all the way to his navel. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not not as risque as you think there. It's 81, Billy. <laughs> it's 81. It's too much. You're showing too much. It's too much. 
but they were fun. And even even the the police officer and Mabel, who was just this, I guess, town busybody lady. I liked them. Luke, for a while, you thought the mayor was going to be revealed to be the killer. Do you mm-hmm. want to elaborate on why you thought the mayor or just like that was what a good twist this would be? I think I thought it could be the mayor because I was hoping they'd have a more sophisticated rationale behind the motivations of the killing than it ended up being. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably from a storytelling point of view, one of the weaker, weaker parts of this film is that this Harry Warden guy had like a relatively legitimate beef against these two supervisors that through negligence had him down there. So it's like, okay, I could see why that guy would want to kill those two people. And even let's say he did. And then I don't know, puts a hex on all future Valentine's day dances, which is a little bit unhinged as well. (laughs) Sure. Like all of that is, I can, I can swallow all of that as not beyond the pale of rationale and logic. So I was kind of hoping it would be someone connected to that generation because maybe there's more to that story. And when we find out that it's Axel and it's like kind of predictably Axel by the time the final showdown happens, like I wasn't expecting anybody else's face to be revealed in that final fight. And then Mm -hmm. we just get like a quick shot of him, his dad being one of the supervisors that just felt super convenient to the plot and kind of like a ex machina rationale of why Axel would be angry. But then it seems to me he should be angry at Harry Warden, not, all these other people and even though axel has been a little bit i just he was crazy right like at the end axel is crazy he's he's totally off the deep end but he hit it most of the Mm -hmm. movie pretty well so it's just like oh okay we needed someone to be we we physically needed a person to be the killer so it's gonna be him we're gonna throw in this last minute reason for why he's messed up I don't know. I just I think it wasn't explored enough and there wasn't enough foreshadowing of that kind of rationale and motivation. I agree. You know? Mm-hmm. And so hard agree. Again, it's not because this movie isn't trying to be the next great horror movie, it's not really that important, I guess. But I just thought maybe again, if I'm writing this movie, I write in the mayor having some connection that's been referenced a few times, maybe in the lore, right? Like there's a dangling thing in the bar teller, the bartender's exposition that leaves open the door of some connect. Maybe maybe he's Harry Warden's brother. Maybe like you know. But it turns out that really Axel is killing all the wrong people. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's just killing for no reason, really. (laughs) I I thought, in my prediction of who the killer was, I thought it was going to be Hap. I thought he would have the the most reason because he remembers from before. And for whatever reason, they could have given him a reason to hate Valentine's or to have been traumatized for Valentine's and want to kill all these people as a, you know, Uh... you should be remembering that Valentine's is not for dancing. Like, I thought that was going to be him. Even the fact that his name was Hap was like, I was like, okay, it's pretty close to Harry. And so I was, I was convinced. I have an embarrassing question, Billy. Oh, go ahead. Which one was Hap again? The bartender. He was the bartender. Okay. Okay. The old man. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
the, the, the yeah, yeah he was the crotchety old bartender who mm. was like oh you kids don't believe in the, the legend and oh you're gonna rue your words and harry's coming like he was just very right. like doom and gloom and i thought that he was you know they didn't listen to me so i'm gonna teach them a lesson here i am pickaxe gas mask on like bring it on and mm. then he got killed in a very strange way because <laughs> what does he do he sets up like a dummy to yeah. pop out of the mine door <laughs> the, the door of the mine or the door that's of the mine that's why you whatever. never teach lessons <laughs> that's why you never <laughs> but it, so he has this little dummy set up and then in in between the like closing of a door and opening it right away is enough time for axel to take down the whole apparatus and get it completely out of the hallway so that he can surprise and kill hap which yeah aside uh, the the mm. motivations for Axel being the killer were not understood. I didn't well, I didn't get just... it at all when it was revealed, and it was it was it was unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. I think essentially the his motivation was he went through so much trauma as a child that he became a killer. If you can he, connect those two, yeah. In so like, way. there's there's definitely a logic there, but it's not hinted mm-hmm. at all throughout the film. Right? There's no good. Mm little breadcrumbs put throughout the film to make us think that this could be something it's just like oh by the way here's a massive piece of information you didn't have till now guess what here's it here it is you're like okay yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i think maybe if they had made axel's character a little bit weirder throughout the movie it would have mm-hmm. given us some hints or it would have made more sense at the reveal yeah. but essentially he was outside of the whole feud with tj because they're fighting over the same girl. He seemed like a completely fine person, right? Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, there was no reason to ever think that Axel was unhinged in any way because his character in any of the dialogue or interactions he had with anyone else, he was fine outside of the feud, right? Mm-hmm. But I will say you two had way cooler predictions of who you thought the killer was than me. I was under the impression all the way until the reveal that the killer was actually just Harry Warden and he had come back. (laughs) (laughs) It made the most sense to me. It's like he's the one that got trapped under the mine. He's the one that came back a year later and killed people and warned them, don't ever have a Valentine's Day party or I will kill everybody. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he's just hanging around outside the town, you know, checks checks in every year at about like january 30th it's like oh are they making any are they making any valentine's day plans nope okay i'll leave and then this year he comes back he's like what the fuck they're doing valentine's day all right i'm coming back bitches yeah he just pulls it out and sees a bunch of craft paper hearts and he's like i'm getting my gas mask young people still not listening to their elders yeah gotta teach them a lesson again yeah exactly Right, because your your prediction makes complete sense, though, Alex. Because if if we if we assume Harry was, let's say, in his late teens to early twenties when the the mine explosion happened, it's only twenty years. You know, he would have been a man in his forties, mid forties, perfectly you know strong enough and capable enough to to take down kids, especially with the element of surprise. Like, he, it's not mm-hmm. like a 40 years later Michael Myers situation where we're like, okay, so now this man is like in his late sixties to early seventies and he's still as strong and as fast and as quick. Like I, I, I can see a montage of Harry outside of town, just like keeping his fitness up and practicing mm-hmm. his pickaxe swinging skills and 
<laughs> you know, yeah. Coming yeah, like, even if, even if we're being really generous with it, let's say he was 40 when the initial thing happened, like, even at 60, with the element of surprise, it's believable that he's still yeah. able to murder people. And he like, was probably younger than 40 <laughs> when it happened. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I would have been perfectly fine if it was Harry, who was the villain yeah, the whole time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I, this, this comparison just popped into mind. This, the end of this movie was unsatisfying in the same way I found Rise of Skywalker unsatisfying, where it's just like, oh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, the whole time it was the Emperor. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> he hasn't been mentioned, right? He hasn't been mentioned in either of the two films so far in the trilogy. But since Ryan Johnson decided to just kill Snoke, uh, we have to have a villain. So it was actually him the whole time. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, by the way, <laughs> raise a Palpatine. Oh, okay. Yeah, like if you just what? write it in as a fact about your characters, then that's how it will be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there was no There's like, there was like, no lead up. No, it's like Axel actually is the son of one of these supervisors and he's traumatized because of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you could write yeah, that about any say. character in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what they say? The pen is mightier than the pickaxe. So... <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, as as we are contractually obligated to do at least once an episode, I thought the fight on the mine, the rail cars between shovel and pickaxe was very episode four lightsaber battle. Like it was very slow. It was very just like mm. old men holding toy swords, swinging at each other. And I was actually going to make that <laughs> the Star Wars reference, but but you you beat me to it. <laughs> but with a little motif of a a factory in Geonosis. <laughs> yeah, a little bit yeah. of a droid processing plant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even the whole like the miner with him breathing through his mask, and you hear the breathing. It sounds so much like Vader breathing through his helmet. You know, and actually, it reminded so, yeah. me of Ins- yeah. of Insidious. You know, the big mask that what's her name Elaine wears in Insidious. Mm, that's right mm. yeah yep right, right, right i wonder if insidious got some ideas from my bloody valentine maybe <laughs> yeah maybe but speaking of the fights and the kills i definitely i definitely like i mentioned earlier i thought these were creative ones and my the one that was my favorite i think is a toss-up between dave and mabel but I'm interested to hear which which kill you thought was the most clever because, again, I think it, they did a good job and you got to see them on like Friday the Thirteenth that they mostly happened off screen, and Michael Myers just killed people with knives. But I thought these were these were good. But what I'd be interested to know what what y'all liked the best. I think the reveal to Dave's death is one of the cooler parts of this movie and one of the more twistedly sick parts of the movie so dave is the one during the party he's like i want some munchies so he goes in the kitchen where there's a big pot of hot dogs being boiled and he's like ladling around trying to grab a hot dog and the miner comes up behind him and like throws his face into the boiling pot of hot dogs and that's that's how we see that's the last we see of dave being alive and then later on we find out that like the there's two girls in the kitchen and they're digging for hot dogs as well. And they pull out this boiled heart. So it's, mm. it's, it's assumed that the, the miner had killed Dave, ripped his heart out and put it in the pot of hot dogs. And it, it like, it looks like a heart, 
but it's it's got that like kind of pale gray color you get whenever you boil <laughs> some kind of internal organ. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It it looked it looked believable. Like that's actually what a boiled heart in my mind would have looked like. You know, outside of I, you know, there probably would have been more blood in the liquid, but like let's say the heart was cleaned and all that stuff. If you boil the heart, that's what that's what I think it would look like. And it was kind of gross to see it like that. And then one of the guys, who was it? He, he's going to... Kevin? No. Kevin, I don't know. One of the guys, he's like grabbing beer from the fridge and he opens the fridge, but he turns around to talk to the girl. So you don't, he doesn't see that Dave's actually in the the freezer dead. And it, like his, it looks like his face is all like burned off and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Dave's death, and death reveal was the the coolest kill in this movie just nice. how, of how sick the boiled heart thing was i wouldn't be surprised if they got like a pig heart or a cow heart and just boiled the hell out of it for the prop like mm-hmm. that wouldn't have surprised me at all gotta be the one of the worst ways to go to get your face boiled off in hot dog water like ew <laughs> that'd be really gross <laughs> hot ham water <laughs> Hot but hand yeah, hot hand <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, <laughs> my my uh, big surprise kill was when Mabel fell out of the big industrial laundromat dryer, and she was all burned and cooked when the when the police chief found her after the miner. Which I like that we're calling him the miner because it puts him apart from Axel a little bit more in my mind, which makes it a better movie. But when after he, you know, he kills Mabel and puts her in the dryer and then the the police chief, I just, I really liked how he's walking around. He smells something's up, which I don't know how anybody smelled anything with all the cigar and pipe smoke that must have been around. But anyway, he smells her cooking in the dryer and pulls her out. And then there's just like steamy red flash of poor Mabel coming out appears. And it was, it was shocking. And it was only on screen for a second. I read that. This movie was originally nine minutes longer, but the ratings people made them cut a bunch of the gorier parts out. So I feel like that would have been more. There might have been more with Dave. There might have been more with what's her name in the mine shower sequence later on. But that was like a that that one little jump scare was was really effective. But what about you, Luke? Favorite kill? Actually, I don't even I guess her name was Patty, the girl in the red dress. That was Patty, right? Mm, Yeah. I'm realizing Mm -hmm. Billy, you paid attention way more to this movie than I did because there's been three different people whose names you use where I don't even remember which character they are. <laughs> but I guess because her her death was just like a straight up pickaxe to the gut, you know, just like turn a mm. corner, pickaxe to the gut. And I guess I kind of liked how realistically visceral that one was. It was like probably mm, okay. probably this is actually what all of the deaths should have been. Like, I think it's a huge liability to to try and get fancy with your kills. <laughs> if you're the miner, <laughs> you know, I just think you're, like, taking unnecessary risks. A pickaxe to the gut, that'll do it. <laughs> you sure. Know? I mean, tried that's it, fair. Tried and true. Tried and true. Yeah, it's efficient <laughs> and quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and uh, because the pickaxe is arguably the most iconic part of this movie in terms of props, I, I, I like... I liked the pickaxe. Any of the pickaxe de- pick deaths were good. Mm. Pick one, Luke. <laughs> pick one axe death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, the fact that it's Axel the whole time also puts in mind the, like, the plausibility of it. Like, he runs around, he finds 
Dave in getting a hot dog, has time to kill him, cut out his heart, put it in the water, put Dave in the freezer, get unchanged from his minor costume, stash it somewhere, somewhere, and then come out to be like, oh, I'm having a beer and playing pool. And then like, oh, got to go. Down I go into the mine. And (laughs) yeah, he goes. He had his own Clark Kent phone booth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He goes to the same school of sneaky (laughs) killing as Michael Myers, for sure. (laughs) Where he can move as fast or as slow as he needs to for whatever the scene d- demands. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was curious, though, when they... The, so the final sort of set piece is a bunch of these people go down in the mine to party and make out and fool around. And, of course, you know, all, all these people in the mine are going to get killed. Blah, blah, blah. And then they were talking about the rail car being 2,000 feet long. And I'm a, you know filthy metric user i don't know how long anything is in feet so i had to do the math because i was like is 2000 feet really really far and google apparently says that it's about 660 meters so it's not that far because i thought it would be implausible about harry not harry the miner getting down to meet them but 600 meters you could make that at a run in like a few minutes if you had to or even a walk, it wouldn't take you more than ten minutes. I think not even. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a long distance, but like in terms of mine depth, going down six hundred sixty meters is quite far. So that's like yeah. it adds to like the claustrophobicness of being yeah. so far away from safety and civilization. You know. Mm, yeah, I do have to say, the decision to go into the mine was it. It it was probably the lowest point of the film for me because it's like. This is a bad idea from every direction. There well, yeah, it was the lowest part, Luke. It was 660 feet underground. <laughs> or meters, sorry. Meters. There was, like, if there are zero killers in your town, it's still a really bad idea to go into the mine. It, you're, you're drunk. Like, you know the dangers. Even if you're a young person, you work there all the time. Like, it's just like, I find myself amazed that I still get flabbergasted at bad decisions made in these movies but that was such that was such a bad decision from every direction i think yeah i okay it was argue it was i'm not saying it wasn't a bad decision but like come on like these these kids are like in their mid-20s they're they would be familiar with the mind they know of the dangers and of course you know i can see them wanting to impress their dates and go down it doesn't excuse that it's a bad decision but i can totally understand them being like no no i'm going for it because i'm tough and manly and you know we're immortal nothing's gonna kill us because we're young and just Uh, i don't know don't you remember what it was like to be be 22 years old and feel like nothing could harm you yeah but (laughs) i don't know I guess you either have to buy it or you don't. But when I was 20, that summer I was 20, I worked on a roof. I did roofing. And arguably, Mm. roofing is much safer than mining, all things considered. And there isn't a moment of time where I would have been like, you know what? We're drunk. Let's go on the roof and hang out because that'll be fun. I'm going (laughs) to impress this girl. If anyone had said that to me, I'd be like, no, that is so stupid. Only bad things will happen from that. So I guess I don't quite have sympathy well, for the young and dumb Luke, argument for it's, this. It's funny you should say that, actually, and that exact example, because I have multiple times we have, you know, hung out in your backyard and, you know, have been drinking and gotten to a point where we're drunk. And, you know, on certain days that we do that, it, there seems to be fireworks in the city, like on yeah. Canada Day. So we're like, let's climb up on your shed and look at them. 
Yeah, well, except that the shed is a 412 pitch and it's like not even a story. It's like like three quarters of one story and it's not Would like you say it's about the people. same height as like a soccer net. Yeah, I guess so. Probably. Yeah. Well, we all know what happens if you fall from the height of a soccer net. So, you know, <laughs> dangerous things can happen from that. Yeah, I just I think it's a different example you know. because you're not having you don't have all the roofing tools there. It's not somebody else's <laughs> sure, house. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, fair. You're also not in a mine. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like another equivalent to that, like for example, like, you know, you have a bunch of like young adults now and like let's go throw a party but where like all the bars are closed oh i have a key to my downtown office we can go have a party in the office yeah and they bring them all up and it's like hey give us a tour it's like well this is like you know in the movie it's like this is the mine car that we call this this and then it's like in this real life scenario it'd be like well here's my cubicle this is where i clip (laughs) my papers this is my favorite stapler and i use this calculator every day (laughs) Yeah. This is a plant. Oh, it needs water. Let me give it some water. Uh, yeah. 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 We I don't have like, very dangerous jobs, but not. Yeah. Not well, you know what? Good like, idea. When you're, when you're young, you're dumb, you're drunk and horny. You make bad decisions all the time. So <laughs> that's true. If we're going to nitpick on things in this movie, I think going down in the mine is probably <laughs> one of the not as important for me to nitpick. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, it, it was a contrivance to get them down there and I think to have a cool set piece of, you know, a, a place for the, the killer to strike. And as a as a climax to a movie, I thought it was pretty well done. Maybe the reasons for going down there are, are poor. But again, that's the kind of movie this is where it's like nobody in this movie is anywhere approaching making a rational point or logic or sense. And I know that bothers you in... <laughs> movies that we've done but i think we're going on different like lines of the spectrum where the more these slasher movies come up the more i'm just like all right what do you got for me slasher movie bring it on i'm i'm here for it and yeah it didn't it didn't bug me too much but yeah fair so is there anything else about my bloody valentine that you would like to bring up in terms of music or cinematography or anything I mean, it's something that we've seen multiple times already, right? Like, there's there's first person shots of the killer. There are, like the when one example is when Sarah's walking home. There's like the the music, like the like the frantic kind of piano music playing. There's the mm-hmm. fake scare of her thinking, or of of the audience thinking that the miner is going to kill Sarah when she's walking home, but it turns out, oh, it was just Chief newbie doing his nighttime rounds and he's holding a flashlight right at her face where you know (laughs) where you think it's a miner's helmet right i like that i thought that was good and it's it's like it's all it's all fine stuff but like i think i personally won't give it that much criticism because this film was in 81 and i'm I'm looking at it from a 21 2021 lens so like yes it's been stuff i've seen in so many movies but i'm not gonna fault it because i have the i have extra 20 i have 40 years of context you know Mm. Uh, agreed Uh, hard agree on that one and it was just yeah it was a good stupid fun time i can totally see it being a good excuse to go to a movie a scary movie with your date because hopefully you or the date will get you know scared and kind of huddle into you and you know like teens getting like all cozy and cuddling during horror movies is that's you know pretty pretty standard and i think for for what that is it 
does the job. I will compare it once again to McDonald's. It was, you know, a Big Mac that is gross and it's definitely not, you know, a fancy meal, but sometimes you just want to, you just want to have a burger and that this movie, this movie did it for me. So is a Big Mac your go-to meal? Oh, Big Mac is my, my hard go-to for McDonald's. Big Mac or chicken nuggets, but I love a Big Mac. Yeah. What about you, Luke? I love it. What's your go-to McDonald's meal? Mm. Yeah, I like I like Big Macs, although I'm getting the impression I like them a little less than Billy does. <laughs> <laughs> I like what I like, okay? <laughs> I'm more of a Royale cheese kind of guy. Ah. Mm. Was that quarter pounder? Because of the metric system? That's a quarter pounder. <laughs> right. No, no onions, though. That's the one thing oh, I take I out. Love onions. Cause I love I think the McDonald's onions are gross. Like, if they were real, like, circular cut onions, I would like them. But they're like the onion slivers. I'm like, eh, not great. Not a fan. Not a fan of the diced onion. Yeah, overall, back to this movie. <laughs> I don't really have too much more to add if we want to if we wanna transition into our, our scariest parts and stuff. But anything left in the mine for us to, to mine out of con- content-wise? Proud of that one. <laughs> There was one thing that occurred to me that really doesn't have anything to do with this movie, but more just kind of like how we evaluate eras. <laughs> okay. I, this movie is made in 1981, and yet if you hadn't told me that, I would have thought this movie was from the 70s. I just think it's, this isn't like hmm. a really deep point or anything, but I think it's interesting how like the way we cut up decades, we say the 80s or the 70s, but actually probably what we really think of as the 80s didn't really start until like 1984. You know, so like there's like this or section later, yeah, yeah, like there's this section of time. I remember someone saying on a podcast that like the way that we conceive of the '60s really didn't even start till the '70s, <laughs> and then that nostalgia <laughs> comes back. Like if you 1961 to like 1966, a lot of it was just more of the 50s you know like that kind of look and feel and i I even see that with the early 90s like a lot of the music from the early 90s is indistinguishable from the popular music from the 80s so i just think it's oh yeah it's a it's a funny reflection on how our brains work when we categorize things that when i say oh i love music from the 80s i'm probably meaning music from like 1984 and later yeah well it's it's interesting because yeah if you think of like as a color spectrum you know the 70s is red and the yeah. 80s is yellow, but it goes through orange to get to yellow, you mm-hmm. know, on the uh, yeah. on on the scale of the rainbow. And yeah, I think because it's not it's not like everyone woke up on ni- January 1st, 1980, and they were like, okay, it's it's, it's Rubik's cubes now. and DeLoreans <laughs> and bright colors. Yeah, it's it's yeah. funny that there there is more of a a, sl- a slide rather than these hard yeah these hard lines. Yeah, it, it's interesting because this this was very seventies. It looked like, you know, I, I recently watched A New Hope again, and all of the hairstyles, all of the yeah. fashion, even though it's Star Wars, it is so goddamn seventies. Like everyone has just the most helmet hair, and it's all, you know, all bangs and all just very teased out. And it's just like this is this is of the time. This is what it looked like in the seventies. But now, if you go back to it even with the nostalgia I have for the Star Wars franchise, it's very evident that this is of the era yeah, of the 70s. And that's what, you know, especially Chief Newbie's hair looked reminded me a lot of Luke in Return of the Jedi hair, just that sort yeah. of weird 
Lego piece haircut yeah. that he had. <laughs> yeah, and of course, like by in in 1981, probably the like Led Zeppelin will have more of a, a grasp on the culture than like Madonna, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and like I'm looking at it now, it's like filming completed in November 1980. Mm-hmm. So like they're filming this at the start of 1980, which is you know essentially still the 70s right like, i guess it just yeah doesn't, it doesn't cut immediately to like now we're in the 80s <laughs> that's I mean, so quick yeah. it was filmed in november 1980 and came out it, february it, 1981 that's completed, like four months completed in november 1980 yeah but if it came out february 81 that's like only four months i mean have that's you seen the editing in these films yeah okay it's, fair enough you're, you're not <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right it seems fast sorry go ahead luke if I was going to make a more like significant or poignant observation, it's it's a good reminder of how easy it is to have psychological blind spots for details, you know? Mm. Just the way we use terms that are very sweeping over like a 10-year period and yet I think all of us know that once we explain it like we do here like well no, 1981 probably had more to do with the culture of what we might call the 70s like that seems pretty intuitive once you bring it up but i think it's easy unless you actually talk about details to have those psychological blind spots about probably more important things than eras of culture right so like that same kind of Mm. psychological blind spot can be applied to more serious things that it's worth remembering we all kind of suffer from i would say yeah right like in a more modern context it's probably like 2011 is a lot closer to 2009 than it was to 2019 even though they're both in the 2010s yeah exactly yeah exactly Exactly. yeah and certainly the way that technology has changed you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so yeah for sure good point luke yeah Yeah. well it's like you could say it's like oh oh you know if you think about a Cold War, like, oh, the Russians, right? As opposed to the idea that really what you're talking about is the Russian government, as opposed to, like, citizens who are just as immiserated (laughs) by their government as, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. nationalism and and tribal prejudice. I mean, those are more topical things of, like, yeah, when we use these really sweeping terms, we have these psychological blind spots for individuals who might technically fit in that but have nothing to do with the thing that we're critiquing, so... Yeah, you can't uh, see the forest. My Bloody Valentine, instead of saying it's an 80s slasher movie, we say My Bloody Valentine is a late 1970s, early 1980s (laughs) slasher movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's a early 80s, but reminiscent of the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, A uh, a 70s extended slasher film. (laughs) Yeah. 70s plus. What was the scariest bit for for y'all? Nothing was scary, but I would say the most like heart pumping part of the movie was i think it what was her name sylvia yeah sylvia was in like kind of the mine shower slash clothes hanging part of warehouse (laughs) section and when like when the miners making all the clothes fall on her and it feels really claustrophobic and then suddenly you see someone's body i don't remember who's i think that was hap i think that was hap's body yeah hap's body fall down and then she she like moves into the shower and or like the killer picks her up uh, like the minor kills yeah that was like the most like heart racing part of the movie and it was it was cool it was a cool way to shoot it like very close up to her face with like all these like mind suits falling down all around her yeah 
I kind of thought one of the mind suits was going to be the miner. I thought that was what it was going to be. What about you, Luke? Scariest parts? Uh, I wouldn't say there were any scary parts, but I did find the scene of the Harry Warden being a cannibal kind of off-putting. So I would, I'll nominate that one. That's a, yeah, that was quite affecting where he's just like mm-hmm. chowing down on some guy's arm. I, for myself, I think it's a toss up between the reveal of Mabel. That was a jump scare for me. And I actually, you know, my body tensed up when I saw it and, or when Howard's body gets like thrown down the ladder when they're trying to climb at the end. And sorry, he stops because it looks like he's been hung by the neck. And then you assume that the force of the drop would have like pulled the head off the body and then the body continues falling down. I thought that was a a bit of a jump scare for me. So that's definitely in my scariest part of the movie canon. It was it wasn't freaky, though. It wasn't scary. It was it was a slasher movie. I knew there was going to be things that jumped out and killed people. (laughs) So I was expecting (laughs) it. So we come now to the ratings, and we need to figure out what we want to give this out of five. Out of five, what's? Does anyone have a good one for this Valentine's movie? Maybe chocolate boxes with hearts in them? Oh, I was going to say out of heart-shaped boob tattoos. (laughs) Okay. Nice. Heart-shaped, out of heart-shaped boob tattoos. Alex, how many tats are you giving this one? Oh, no. That was just unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) What's your rating? (laughs) I'm still very, like, average on this movie, but because of, like, the Canadian aspect of it, I liked it more than I would have normally. So I think I will give it, like, a a week three (laughs) heart-shaped tattoos out of five. Mm. A week three. (laughs) Yeah. Not a strong three, like a week... (laughs) three heart-shaped boob tattoos sure. like you you round it up not down yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if, if i'm like being a... like really pedantic this probably would have been like a 2.84 or something like that <laughs> yeah mm. you're yeah. just rounding to the nearest hole all right luke what are you giving this one i think i'm gonna give it 1.75 out of five. Ooh. yeah maybe in a similar way that fright night benefited from coming right on the heels of leprechaun my Bloody Valentine probably didn't benefit or or suffered from the fact that we've done so many similar types of movies to this one. So I just didn't sure, feel like okay. I was getting any novelty, even though there were some cool parts and some good scenes. Mm. I know I'm a broken record, but I'm a sucker for good scripts and good characters and good acting and good storytelling. And again, I think this wasn't the worst example of all of those things of the slasher type, but it definitely didn't reach heights that make me want to be tempted to call it a good movie either so uh, 1.75 fair enough absolutely (laughs) totally fair Uh, i think it's no surprise i am by far the warmest on this movie and i had fun pretty much the whole time once the axle was revealed at the killer i will say the wheels kind of fell off a little bit that was that joke i teased earlier (laughs) (laughs) lucky that was at least near the end (laughs) right (laughs) but i enjoyed it i love that it was canadian i thought their banter was if not you know delivered in the best way i thought it was really fun and yeah i'm giving this one a high a high 3.75 like i'll go i'll go that high 
not quite a so, four, but but just under a four. So, so it's really like a three point eight two. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. Yeah, but I'm rounding down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I would absolutely like to watch this movie again. I, w- I would I would give this another watch. No question. What about you, Luke? You know. Uh, truth be told, I think if I watched this movie again, I'd probably like it less, even because knowing mm, that okay. Axel is the killer, I would be a lot more critical of the scenes that people are dying along the way and like how Axel possibly did it. So since I didn't know it was mm. him, I kind of didn't, that wasn't on my mind. So the logic of him as the killer would probably be a little bit more like annoying to me if I watched it again. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually say I'm not going to watch it again. So my rating doesn't go lower. Hmm. Fair enough. What about you, Alex? I don't think I'll ever watch this again, but what I will do is probably like five years or whatever, I'll be like, oh, I remember watching My Bloody Valentine. I'm going to go on YouTube and look up like the clips of this movie, you know, and watch the ones that are interesting and cool and, you know, skip over all the stupid parts of this movie, like the love triangle. Mm. (laughs) Actually, Sorry, I should have brought this up earlier, but I wrote in the chat once no, that right. I thought I thought TJ looked like the guy who played the villain in A Knight's Tale. Did either of you think that? Like a young actor? I don't remember was, The Knight's Tale. I don't know, just kind of like dark curly hair. I, he, he looked like he could have been TJ, but I looked it up and it wasn't. But I was like, oh, that kind of looks Look, like there's there are There are millions of white guys with dark curly hair <laughs> in the world. You could say that that guy was one in a million. Well, I think his name was <laughs> his name was Rufus Sewell or Sewell. I don't know. I was just like, oh, you know, when you watch a movie and you're like trying to play someone, and you're like, oh, this person looks so familiar. But especially such as a, a, a huge time gap, you're like, oh, it could have been, could have been a really young version of him, but probably not. And it wasn't. So anyway, hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm looking through his IMDb now. He was in The Man in the High Castle. Victoria, Rise, Gods of Egypt. Oh, Blinky Bill the movie. That's probably what I know him from. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can cut all that out. Uh, it doesn't yeah, seem very relevant. That's okay. None of our movie, none of our talk is relevant. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's all gold. But but yeah, should we should we cheer something? I'm not going to forget it this week. Should we do a cheer? <laughs> I think we should do a cheer. Let's do a cheer. But I don't really have a good one this week, so I want someone else to go first. Wait, don't if you, you don't have a good one, why don't you go first? Yeah, don't you want the good ones no, to I don't go last? Want to. <laughs> yeah. I thought we saved the best ones for last. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Truth be Who's told, got the best I one? Don't... Who's got the best one? It's definitely not me. So okay. I'll go so middle. Why don't you I'll let everyone one? down. No, no, I'll go in the middle. It'll be we'll start strong. We'll have a dip in the middle, and then someone can finish finish. So finish I'm going okay. second. I don't think mine's the strong one either. So I'll go first. Okay. This week I watched all three Oceans movies, like back to back to back. So Oceans 11, 12, 13. And I love those movies. They're so fun to me. Yeah. It's just such a great ensemble. You know, Oceans 12 was kind of lame, but, you know, 11 and 13 are real strong. And yeah, they were just fun to watch. And I really like that style of film. Like, heist movies that are like really smart and sophisticated and have like characters that can like talk their way out of anything are just fun to me Mm. and you're ready now in in case you ever want to plan a casino heist and you call george clooney 
to help you. <laughs> exactly. He's my go-to call. He's your go-to. I love the scenes in those movies where George Clooney's talking to Brad Pitt, and he it's like they're having a conversation, but Brad Pitt doesn't say anything, but George Clooney still knows what he's thinking, and then he just does that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah they, yeah, they know each other so well they can finish each other's... Food. Sandwiches. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I attempted to just leave it completely blank for you. <laughs> just like leave that dangling. Fill in the blank, right? All right. Time for the, the third best something you cheer of the three of us. That's mine. And I will say that uh, the temperature is finally turning around in Calgary. We've had a pretty mild winter thus far, knocking on wood. And it was really cold. Plus, I hurt my back at the start of the month. So I was off running for a couple weeks. And I've been able to get out a couple of times. And I've been doing some yoga to help strengthen my back and keep going. And that's starting to feel really good. I actually was surprised at how much I missed running for a couple weeks. Even though I've only come to the hobby since April of last year. So... I'm excited mm. to get back out there and, and keep logging those kilometers. Mm. I told you, That's it wasn't the cheer. best cheer. That's eh, fine. It's a fine cheer. It's something to it's, cheer anyway. It's good for your physical health, and yeah. it's good for your mental health. So it's a, it's a double whammy cheer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but now we've teased it. Now Luke's going to live up to these expectations of the best cheer we've had in podcast history so well i don't know pressure. about in podcast history but i i do have a pretty good one i think so or a meaningful one a meaningful one to me so even though you dear listener are listening to this on february 15th or later of 2021 we're actually recording this the day after my birthday and yesterday on my birthday my friend matt bought a ticket to something called the phoenix sessions that my favorite band jimmy Eat world is putting on so because we're in quarantine mm. there can't be concerts so jimmy Eat world has built up these phoenix sessions so for every two weeks they're gonna play an album all the way through one of their albums and then you can buy like electronic ticket and watch it virtually oh, cool. and yesterday my friend matt bought and we we watched screen share watched them play through their album futures which was their 2004 album and i think it's their best one so i got to see live or not live but like playing all the way through my favorite band playing what i think is their best album and they there were a couple songs on there that i've never seen like they have some deep deep album cuts on that on that record that i've never seen them play anywhere so it was really cool to see a live performance of a album that came out actually a full half of my life ago now because that album came out when i was 17 and i just turned 34 Mm. So literally half my life ago, that album came out and it's like some just beautiful, beautiful music. And it was their follow up to Bleed American, which was a, which was their breakout album. And so like to have an album that is musically, I think, better than even their breakout is impressive and hard to do. Nice. So, yeah, that's my something to cheer was uh, Jimmy Eat World Futures. That's great. 23 is a great song. It is. Yeah. yeah. There's some there's some great emo punk classics there i have to say the cautionary tale you told me about jimmy Eat world was part of the reason that i was conscientious in figuring out what the acronym of this podcast would be just so i wouldn't ah, yes, yes. Uh, you know could have something to uh, to abbreviate it <laughs> so always have to <laughs> Thanks, be wary jimmy of your ab- abbreviations yes <laughs> yeah 
They have to use their full name every time. Every single time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll bring us to the end of another episode of Nothing to Fear. We have no review from Apple this week, but we're we're still looking out for them and we will read them when they come through and it really does help the podcast to leave a review and a like and a subscription a subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Tell people about the podcast if you're interested, if you like it and you think your friend will like it, tell them about it because we have a lot of fun doing it and we would like to get it to as many listeners as possible. Most recently, we we've got a download from Nepal, which was really cool to see and without any more precise geographical data data points, I will I will assume that it was downloaded and listened to at the top of Man Everest. And you can't change my mind on that. So, hey, <laughs> Are you a cat man do or a cat man don't? Exactly. But if you would like to support the show in a more material way, you can buy some merch. It's all in the show notes. We have several designs up on our Society6 page as well as our Public page. And you can get something for your, your home or yourself or a friend and, you know, support, our, support the podcast a little bit. Or a valentine. Or a Valentine for late Valentine. If you forgot your Valentines, you could order something today and it would come in probably three weeks. And so you could say, my dear Valentine, here is a gift from a podcast I listen to that's about a month after Valentine's Day. <laughs> and that's that's love. That's true, true love. <laughs> you can also follow us all over the place. You can follow us on Instagram at nothing to fear podcast. That's where we do most of our activities i'm the one that runs that account so that's where i am most of the time you can follow us on twitter on our new handle ntf pod you can send us an email at nothing to fear podcast at gmail.com you can hear more of me on my instagram page at billy before billy by design i before ye when spelling billy and there are underscores between the words and you can catch me every monday on my cooking show that i do called quarantine kitchen with a new guest and we talk and chat and it's a good fun time and luke where can the lovely people hear more of your voice this is your chance to do a plug they can find my podcast really true fiction on all major podcasting platforms or apps there are major and minor i don't know about minor maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah really true fiction looks like we'll have to dig for it sorry Spaces between the words. Spaces between the words. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, Good one. I, you get to say it. I wanted to, I wanted one one chance. <laughs> okay, I like it. Really true fiction. Spaces between the words. Yeah. I like it. Alex, do you want to plug anything? Anything you're yeah. you're sharing? Yeah, you can Just listen to me as I'm talking to you right now. If you would like oh to gosh. listen to more of me, you can tune in every Monday at ten AM Mountain Standard Time for a new episode of Nothing to Fear. Sweet. And you have also done a guest on Really True Fiction, as, as yeah, I that's, have. That's old news. That's old news. You've already listened to it. You don't get any new listeners, Luke. You only get old listeners. <laughs> yeah. Older every day. Older every day. But thank you so much, Luke and Alex, for joining me and for, for carving out your Sunday to, to record and watch these movies. Thank you, Alex, especially for writing the theme songs that we've used every week. It's so great. Thank you to Katie Rogers, put underscore that down is her Instagram handle for the artwork that you've designed. Thank you for the daytime safety design, Madison. And 
Yeah. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Next week, we are going to be delving into Child's Play, where we will finally meet that precocious doll named Chucky. So get ready for that. But until that time, until we are all together again, virtually, I will say goodbye, and I'll say goodbye to Luke. Adios. You you cannot wave on a podcast. <laughs> We've had this discussion. <laughs> and... You're I will say goodbye to you, Alex. Goodbye. I'm also <laughs> waving, so it Thank it you. looks like a genuine goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> and remember, folks, <laughs> they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. Hey, what do you get when you drop a piano dynam- down a mine shaft? What, Billy? About $10,000 of property damage. Hey listeners, Billy here at the end of the podcast to let you know that I was a guest on another podcast called Gaily Forward that has just started its second season and they wanted to interview me and ask me some questions about my life and it was a great fun time. I got to talk with the hosts Missy and Katie for about an hour about all sorts of things and it was really fun. If you would like to download it, you can get that wherever you downloaded this podcast And that is called Gaily Forward, G-A-I-L-Y space forward. Bye-bye.